0: So I'm going to start off by doing something and then tell you not to do the thing I just did. So I want to compare something. So I want to compare uh, last time we built with BFC to this time. And let me just say, you know, as I walk through the building and see what's been accomplished this year, man, it blows me away. We are way ahead of where we were in the past. It is very, very encouraging to see where we're at. Now, we've got some big things that need to get done. We're counting everybody, like we've said. Went to grab this card, put on your refrigerator, you know. But most of the projects are the kind of things that once someone shows you how to do it, it's just we need a lot of hands to do things like lay tile and there's just all kinds of stuff like that. So, so, um, so that's just very encouraging. And so, don't forget, put this on your fridge. If you can come out. It's going to be an awesome next couple months as we work together as a congregation to finish this up. So I just wanted to compare that. And then I want to talk about comparing and how foolish it is to compare. Right? Who do you compare yourself to? Do you compare yourself to, um, you know, maybe somebody you grew up with, a friend, a family member? Maybe a brother or a sister do you compare yourself with? Do you compare yourself with, you know, a neighbor who has this or, or has that kind of thing? Um, do you compare yourself with your father or your mother? Well, let me just encourage you that one of the ways to undermine your progress in life is to compare yourself to someone else. I would even go so far as saying that about Jesus. Now, let me be very careful here that you understand what I'm saying because Jesus is our model. We look at him we hold ourselves up to him but listen if if our whole thing is that you say i got to be just like jesus and he's the the person i need to compare myself to well, you're going to get pretty discouraged because i don't know if you know this but jesus is pretty awesome okay and so 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 there is someone though that you should compare yourself with and if you can learn this is actually one of the secrets to living a life that grows a life that expands a life that becomes more significant the person you should learn to compare yourself with is the person you were yesterday Let me say that again. The person you should learn to compare yourself with is the person you were yesterday. Because when you take on the perspective that, you know what, I want to be a little better than I was yesterday, all of a sudden your life starts going on a radically different path. All of a sudden, you are a person who is is all about growing. Now, we're in the series where we've been talking about coping, and we've talked about many times the definition of coping, and that coping is really this this understanding that the the behaviors we do, the thought patterns we do, um, are all part um, uh, part of how we cope. We've got a definition here. Let's go ahead and throw that up. The definition is to deal effectively with something difficult or to face with responsibilities Problems, difficulties, especially successful in a calm and adequate manner. And we talked about how this word comes from an old English word that means to be able to take a punch, that life is going to come, and it's going to give us a punch, and, and when that happens, we've got to learn how to cope with that. And again, one of the worst things we can do as we're going through life, trying to make progress, trying to learn how to cope, is to ask ourselves, is to compare ourselves to other people, but one of the best things we can learn to do that will help us begin to choose Good ways to cope, as opposed to bad ways to cope, is to learn to compare ourselves with who we were yesterday. We've been talking to about uh, in this series about how life will often give us a sucker punch, right? So, so not only will it punch us, but it'll punch us multiple times in ways we're vulnerable, in seasons where we're we're not expecting it, and timing that's not good, and and how how we can just be overwhelmed. And here's the thing about getting a lot of punches all at once: it could eat up the margin in your life. Now the margin in your life is like the white space on the side of a paper. It's the kind of capacity for you to take some stress, to take some difficulty. And if your margin gets eaten up more and more all the time because you're getting sucker punches and you're not coping with them well, well then eventually you reach a point where you start falling apart, having breakdowns, starting doing really truly destructive things in your life. And so one of the things we're going to talk about today is the difference between good coping and bad coping. Because you may be coping, that is to say you may be doing some behaviors that are allowing you to deal with stress and get up in the morning and go forward, but it might not be good coping. It might not be the kind of stuff that ultimately is going to be a blessing to you and a blessing to the other people who are in your life. Now a couple weeks ago we started this by saying that we shouldn't be surprised. We looked at the promise of God that there's going to be trials in our life. In John chapter 16 verse 33 we read "I," Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in my, that you may have peace, because in this world you will have tribulation. So there's a way to cope in such a way with all the stresses, with all the difficulties, with all the hardships in our lives, that we actually have peace even in the midst of just the craziness of life. I had a very encouraging thought about this this week, just in terms of my life. I thought about when I was a younger man, younger pastor even, how I would cope with things. And I thought to myself, man... I've made a lot of progress. I've actually got some things that were part of my life that were really unhealthy patterns of coping. And you know what? There was just a season in my life where I recognized it, dealt with it, replaced it with something else, and it's just a lot healthier kind of thing. And so I was comparing myself not just with the person I was before, but the person who I was a long time ago. And here's the, ver- the thing that it really drove home for me, is that most of the time when I made major, major Advancements in learning how to cope well, as opposed to not coping well, was when I went through di- t- seasons of difficulty. And indeed, that's what we talked about last week. We talked about how important it is in coping to have a new perspective on trials and difficulties. We looked at First Peter chapter one, six through seven, which reads, "In this, that is to say, in the salvation we have, we greatly rejoice. That one day we have this eternal home, though for a little while we may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials." These trials have come so that our faith, which we're counting on for eternal life, that faith which is more valuable than gold, gold which someday is going to perish, he says that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in glory, honor, and praise. And so in essence, what we're understanding is that these trials, these difficulties come to test your faith, to protect, uh, um, to show that your faith is truly, truly working, and and, and to build this thing in your life, we talked about last week, called character. And just like we said uh, last week, character and faith both share one truth, that they have to be tested to see whether or not you really have them. Because you can talk about having faith, you can talk about having character, but you don't know whether or not you have it unless you really see it tested. Now this week, we want to talk deeply about going through the hard work of just being honest with yourself the hard work of asking yourself how am I actually coping it's been kind of fun walking around church and talking to some of you throughout the last couple of weeks and say hey how you doing and so many of you said well I'm coping <laughs> I'm co- or I'm coping well but this is the week I want us to start asking that question deeply and, 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 and in order to do this well, I just want you to understand how important how 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 important it is that we are intentional about this talked about this a little bit last week but I want to hit it again this week because we're going to be talking about this a fair amount this fall and it's that myth that I wanted to start exposing last week and the myth was that you know we're all basically pretty good people and you know if we were just given a fair shot and Good things happen, and, and, and you know, we we're just able to live our lives. We would be good people, we would do good things. And last week we discussed, and discussed this week, that nothing could be further from the truth. And this is one of the things we really need to understand if we're going to cope well, and if trials and difficulties are going to make sense in our life, is that, is that the natural state of humanity is not nobility is not goodness. The natural state of humanity is selfishness. That is to say, left to ourself, we will become just self-absorbed. We will become people who are just fixated with what we want. It is the myth of our age. And so often we live and we try to run our society based on this, but nothing could be more difficult. That's why coping and learning to cope is so important. Because here's the deal. Whenever you see someone who is doing good, who is living a noble life, who is choosing to do the right thing when they could do the wrong thing, to do the healthy thing, when they could do the unhealthy thing, that is exceptional. That is rare. That is beautiful. That is the nobility. And here's the thing you need to understand. Listen, this is important. It doesn't happen by accident. It is a choice that someone made to move away from their selfishness. Now, I look in my own heart, and I see tons of selfishness. For instance, I could be out fishing with a friend, and maybe my friend's in the front of the boat, which is the place you kind of want to be, because you get the first cast in the new water, right, guys? Maybe I'm more selfish than you are. So, 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 I'm, cast, so I'm casting, and then my buddy in the front of the boat casts plunk, and sure enough, line tightens, he tightens up, oh, and he misses the fish. Now, guys, what do I want to do immediately, I want to cash right where you missed that fish. See, that's a natural state of my heart. I want to put myself first. I want to be counted first. I want to be seen first. I want to be number one. I want to take for myself. I want to protect what's mine. I want to make sure I don't get hurt. I don't have loss. And to overcome that, To live above that is something that takes God's power in our life in the most wonderful and amazing way. You you see, we need to understand that inside of every single person is an angel and a demon. Inside of every person, there's a monster and an angel. Just imagine you were holding just a little baby, beautiful, brand-new baby. And let me just ask you a question. Are you holding in your hand an angel or a monster? And the answer is yes. And listen, this is important for parenting. You're gonna cultivate one or the other. And a lot of the times, the things we think we're doing to bring out the best in our children, it's counterintuitive, is actually the worst because we think I just need to tell them they're good, right? They're good, and even when they're bad, I'm gonna tell them they're good. Listen, when you're bad, you need to help them find ways for them to become aware of that and for them to choose something better, or because because they'll start out on a path. With, with this idea that, you know, I'm not only good, I'm entitled, and everybody says I'm good. And when with my parents are, say I'm good, and then you'll get out in the world, and people won't be that impressed with them. And so you've got to understand this about yourself in the most profound way. That, 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 that the, the knowledge of good and evil is inside of us all of us and each one can have that potential so 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 this week I want to get just real practical by, by helping you understand ask you two questions that to help you understand how you can evaluate how you're coping and how you can start moving your life in a totally different direction let me just let me just warn you this is not one of those messages where you're gonna get the big Zowie you're gonna hear it oh and your whole life is going to just be fixed. Because the truth is, change doesn't happen that way. The first question you got to ask yourself is, Is what's your plan? Okay, what's your plan? Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is a passage of scripture I give to people a lot because it's just so practical and down to earth. It says this, it says no temptation. Now that word temptation, we think maybe it's a temptation to sin and, 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 and do something wrong. But the word there actually means no trial in which your character could become questioned. No difficulty that that you would experience where you would be tempted to take the low road is going to come. And so, within the context of the passage and the word there, what he's basically saying is, there's going to be a time when you're going to be tempted to do the selfish thing, do the easy thing. He says, but no one—that's no, never happened to you—that is overtaking you. First of all, that's not common to others. So the first thing you need to understand about whatever struggle it is you're you're facing is you're not the only one. And and I cannot tell you how important is it. For you to understand that. You know, because so many people, it, it, what, what they will do is they will claim a special victim status. That, you know what, my suffering, my pain is more profound. And, you know, they're in the middle of it. And so you don't want to say, well, why? You know, but sometimes if you say why, at the end of the day, it's because it's me. And, and I was told that it was good. and this whole life is going to be fair. And, and I'm going through this. And, and listen, don't get me wrong. We, many of us, have gone through deep and profound times of trials and difficulty and loss, but listen, we're not the only one. And when you understand you're not the only one, it frees you from that sense of entitlement. Because when you claim a special victim status, well then all of a sudden you park yourself in this place where I don't have to heal. I don't have to grow. I don't have to become the best version of myself out of this. Whenever we say something like, it's bad, it's me, and I'm the only one, that's where we miss it. So he says, no temptation has overtaken us except that which is common to others. He says, but here's the deal. God is faithful. He says God is faithful, no matter what temptation, no matter what difficulty, no matter what thing comes in your life that would tempt you to cheat, to lie, to do something, to be selfish, uh, has taken away God's faithfulness. So here's what you just really need to understand about this passage of Scripture. Just because some bad things are happening in your life doesn't mean God's not faithful. In fact, very often, as we saw last week, difficulties in our life is God being faithful. He's allowing struggles to come in your life, to test your faith, perfect your faith, to strengthen you. And not only will he strengthen you, he will create an opportunity for this to be one of your best moments. So he says no temptation is overtaking you except that which is common to other people. But God is faithful. Look at this. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And so what he's saying there is, listen, there's more to you than you think. I mean, very often in church, and we should, and another sermon for another day, but we emphasize our brokenness and our weakness and how we we, we can't do anything without God. And all of that is true. You'll hear me preach that passionately. But one of the things I want you to see is that when we are broken and when Christ is in our life, we're stronger than we think. We can do more than we think. God will actually show us what we're made of. Have you ever done anything and been amazed you did it? You know, uh, maybe for you it was a high ropes course, just like you just never do it. And then you did it and you amazed yourself. Maybe it was some challenge in your life, but you don't think I could get through this. And then you get through it and you go, wow, I can handle this. And then another thing similar comes in your life and you own it. Oh man, I got this. I handled that, I can do this. And so what God wants you to see is that when he created humanity and thus when he created you, he said, oh, this is good. This is good. That the nobility, we often talk about, you know, the selfishness. You have capacity for selfishness. You have capacity for nobility. You have capacity to do the right thing. You have capacity to rise above the ordinary. Because rising above selfishness is beautiful. It's noble. It's incredible. It actually is one of the things that gives your life meaning. So he says, you will not be tempted beyond your ability, but... With the temptation, God will also provide an escape plan. So the word there means a way that you will recognize that's my way out. That's how I'm going to get through this. That's how I'm going to cope. That God is going to show you an escape plan. Now, one of the mistakes that we do is that in the middle of our struggles, very often, God will provide the way of escape, and we won't take it. And one of the other mistakes that we'll make is we'll be in the middle of it and God will show us a way of escape because we knew ahead of time how we were going to plan our escape, but we didn't take it. And and so what this passage is telling us is that when we're in the middle of it, we should look for a way out. And when we know we are going into a difficult time, we should plan what we're going to do before we do it. I give this counsel to people a lot of time. They say, "You know what? I got to have this conversation, and I just know someone's going to ask me, and I just don't know what I'm going to say, and I just freeze up." I said, "Well, let's practice. Let's make a plan. So you know someone's going to ask you about this difficulty. What could you say? Well, I don't know. Well, you're not under pressure. It's safe. Let's just." And they say, "I said, well, they say something good. I said, well, say that. So what you've done is you know you're going to a difficult time. You've planned an escape." I mean, we talk about this in big things, right? In war, you should never go into a war if you don't know how to get out of a war. Don't you wish our politicians knew that? You know, you you should understand how you're going to get out of something. And this way of escape is just a point of wisdom. So so I know, you know what, I'm going to have a difficult work week, and you know, at the end of the week, i got to travel. You know what, I'm going to be in a hotel room. You know what, I'm going to be alone. When I'm alone in a hotel room, I just know that, you know what, what's my way of escape? Well, you know what, I'm going to tell three of my friends I'm traveling, I'm going to have all three of them ask me, hey, do you have that problem that you still have that problem with, you know? Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm going to call. Uh, you Is know, it it's 2 a.m. and I'm struggling? This is my call guy. I, I can just call him and say, I just need you to pray with me. <sighs> okay, better. And, and, and that way of escape provides me a way of coping. And there are a million applications for this principle. Whatever it is you're struggling with, listen now. Whatever it is you're struggling, please listen. Plan what you're going to do when you're strong don't try to figure it out when you're overwhelmed and weak. And so if you can think, this is what I'm going to do when I'm going through that difficult time, it's amazing. So i have a fight with my spouse. And I know this thing is going to come up, this kind of thing. I'm going to think, okay, what am I going to do? You know what? This is the point where usually I get angry and the whole thing blows up. You know what? I'm, I'm going to actively listen or I'm going I'm to try some other thing. I'm going to have a plan of escape. So that I can, I, I can endure it. So that I can get through it. And here's the beautiful thing about that. Is that when you find that way of escape. And you be, listen now. You become familiar with that way of escape. It becomes an easy place of escape. You just get used to it. You get used to doing the right thing. And because you get used to doing the right thing. It becomes habit. And you know what happens to the temptation? It's not a temptation anymore. It loses its power over your life because you know how to handle it. And when you in your first time, it's really difficult to do the right thing. Second time, still difficult. Third time, you don't do the right thing. Oh, but. but then the fourth time, you went back doing the right thing. Did you hear what I just said? Because any kind of change of life has setbacks. And one of the worst things in the world, people, well, I, I blew it, so apparently God's done with me. Come on. Think better than that. You know what? If, if you mess up, take up. You get fourth time, fifth time. You know what? The sixth time, you did it without even thinking. And you know what? You don't even have to think about it anymore because that's the thing you do. The temptation loses its grip in your life. Why? Because you came up with a plan. You thought, this is how, listen now, I'm going to cope with this. This is how I'm going to face this because I have a plan. Now the second thing, that, what that allows you to do is do the second thing is have a healthy pattern. And so how do you establish a healthy pattern? Now this is really important because this is key to change. I don't know if you realize it, about our church, but our church is all about change. It's all about meeting people wherever they are at and leaving them there because they're good enough. No, 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 no. If you're comfortable with who you are... And, and where you're at, and, and you feel like you've reached as much growth as you want to get, you should find another church, because we're going to make you miserable here, okay? Because we're going to point things out, we're going to bring things up, we're going to make you look at stuff you wanted to ignore. This is who we are, you're welcome, all right? We meet people over there in their journey, and then say, hey, here's an issue, and here's some steps you can take. And if you put, a, listen now, you put enough good steps... Together, then all of a sudden, what you've done, you've established a pattern of behavior. And one of the keys to getting, listen now, a bad pattern behavior out of your life is establish a good pattern of behavior. It's all about taking steps, right? One theologian calls, and I just love this, he says, a long obedience in the same direction. Okay? And so here's a couple things you need to understand about that kind of change. It hurts. It's a struggle. You're not gonna be good at it at first, if you say, you know what, I do this, and I'm going to do this. This feels so unnatural. This is hard. I went back to this. Uh, you know what? I got, got. You know what? I further down. I went back. You know what? I'm just, and and pretty soon, you know what? You're doing that without thinking. But it changes. But at first, it's unnatural. It's a difficult time. The other thing again, you just have to remember is it's not just. You know what? I'm here. I want to get here. It's just going to be like this. Straight up. You know what? My journeys are like, but you know what? I'm not all the way here, but I'm not here either. Isn't that the way change happens? And, and so often what we need with our character, listen now, is perseverance. We need the character quality of perseverance. Say, you know what? This is a difficult struggle. This is a difficult thing. But you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to continue on with it with God's help because I want to have a healthy pattern. And consider a couple of verses. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. The apostle Paul says, join with others. Notice the community a point to that. You, life change happens best in community. In fact, most life change can't happen in isolation. Now you might need to change your community. If you're in a community that has helps you and celebrates the bad pattern you're on, the the most spiritual thing you might need to do is change your friends, okay? So so join with others in following the right kind of example. So what you have gone through is common to others. Remember that? There are other people who have faced it and found progress. Find them. They've probably written a book, okay? There's a resource center. There's pastors. We look for these folks. Sometimes we bring them in here. So we have testimonies. We say, I went through this, and God did this. It was a pretty cool thing, and this, this helped us. So that you see others. So, so join with others. Look at this. And following the right example. Paul said, my examples, brothers. And take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. So look for other people who are doing the right kind of things and learn from them. And in humility. How did you get through this? What did you do? That's why we do groups. That's why we do group life. It's because there are other people who are a little further on in the, the new pattern of living, and they show us how to live. Consider 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. He said, when you heard from me, what you heard from me, look at this, keep as a pattern, the Greek word means there, a habitual lifestyle, kind of just something you do. And sometimes pattern gets boring, sometimes it gets routine, and sometimes that's another issue of character. Whether or not we have the ability to stick with something tedious to get the ultimate reward of just following through. It's like, why do they make us do math problems? Well, that's actually good for us. You know, why, is, why do we have to do something that's, that's difficult? What's the value? And parents, if you, were, if you take all that away from your kids, you are doing them great harm. You know, if you don't you know, teach them how to stick with something, that is boring. One of the great sins of modern parenting is that we're afraid to let our kids be bored. You know, we got to let our kids work through that and handle that and bring creativity. So, so, so he says, do this pattern. Keep us a pattern of sound teaching, of good teaching. And, and good teaching is not just facts we learn in our head. For the Apostle Paul and his Jewish mindset, good teaching is this is who God is. This is you who you are. This is how you're supposed to live. That's good teaching. Good teaching isn't just facts about God. It's about a pattern of living for God. He says, with faith and love in Christ Jesus, he said, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And so there's there's understanding that, that the seed was planted in you. You have a responsibility to make it grow, to become a better person. You are responsible for your life. Who is the person responsible for you to grow spiritually? You are. Now, you have, of course, the Holy Spirit. You have the Scripture. You have the Word of God. But if you're waiting for me to have the right message, and I'll say it, and everything will get better, I'm not that good. I'm just not. You're waiting for your Bible study leader or someone you listen to on right At the end of the day, you've got to say, okay, what's my pattern? What needs to change? Holy Spirit, let's take some steps. So, so let's talk a little bit about this thing of good cope and bad cope. You know, we could go on here, and we could talk a lot, about good coping and bad coping and all kinds of examples. Obviously, you know, if you go home every evening and you're drinking heavily, that's bad coping, okay? You know, if you go home every night and you read your Bible and pray for orphans and widows, we all hate you because no one's that good, all right, right? <laughs> A lot of these are somewhere in between. Let me just say this. Some things that I do to cope are probably okay for me, might not be good for you because I can keep it in balance and get out of control. Some things that you do to cope that are good for you, I just should never do because they just get to control of my life. I need, listen now, I need some rules in my life that other people know about and they're asking me about it to keep me on the straight and narrow because of things that are my points of vulnerability. Because remember, the sucker punch is tailor-made for each person. Now, you need some rules and some patterns that other people know who are asking you about it in your life so that, so that they will ask you and so you'll just know that, you know what, this is just something. But, but what I want to challenge you to do so I want to challenge you to do um, a, a three-step process this week, right? The first is, is just evaluate how you cope. I mean, just take an hour. You know, if you can find a trusted friend who will speak into it, um, you're brave, and that's good, because a trusted friend will, will tell you the truth. You know what the Bible says about a trusted friend? These are hard to find. It says, trust the wounds of a friend. Let me just say that again. Trust the wounds of a friend. That's the friend who you'll say, am I defensive? They say, yeah, sometimes you can be defensive. When you do this and this, sometimes you can be defensive. I'm not defensive. No, that kind of thing. You know, that kind of thing like that. That's a good friend. You know what? I, I've been watching the show on, on Netflix, you know. It's fine. I mean, there's some nudity in it, and they swear a lot, and a lot of blood and gore, and it's good, isn't it? And friend says, I don't know. I can't imagine Jesus watching a show like that. Is that making you a better person, a worse person? Does it draw you to your spouse? Does it draw you to think about things? Does it fill you with the kinds of things that would lead to life and health and peace and godliness. That's a good friend. You see, you see the kind of person who would speak lovingly truth. Because here's the deal: they love God, they love the truth, and they love you. That's the kind of friend that you want to look for. So, so here's what I want you to evaluate your life and just say, what do I do to cope? And just get on. You know what? I run. I don't run. <laughs> I don't run. Maybe you run. <laughs> was a runner once. I was a runner once. And one night I was out running. I'm going to just tell a story. It's a good story. So I'm running. I'm on this hill. I'm thinking, why am I doing this? It's dark. I, I worked all day, but I was going to run. And I went and ran. And this young punk came and he just passed me like I was standing still on a hill. And I yelled at him. I said, you're making me look bad. You know what he said? He turned around. He looked and he smiled. He said, well, at least you're out here. And that's better than most people can say. That was pretty wise, you know? It didn't inspire me to keep running, but, but the point is, I don't run. So, so the thing about it, but maybe that's your deal. And maybe you say, you know what? I watch lots and lots of Netflix. Not a little Netflix, a lot of Netflix. You can actually see how much Netflix you've watched. Did you know that? Did you know that? Oh, no. Some of you said, oh, No. <laughs> Totally object. We're talking facts at this point. It's math. Just you can look it up. How many episodes of this? Oh, wow, I watched seven seasons of that. Holy cow! You know, and, and that kind of thing. Maybe for you, you know what? Um, uh, sugary drinks get me through a day. You know what? For you, it might be hanging out with a good friend. Maybe for you, it's, it's planning a vacation, saving up for it, going on it, responsibly. really looking forward to it. That's one of the things I do. Kel. You know, obviously, there's the things we're in church. You know, right? We pray. You know, and if there's no prayer in your life, you're probably not coping well. You know, the Word of God, do I let it speak into my life? You know, maybe I need to make some... But but evaluate, just write down. These are the things I think are good, maybe bad, maybe. (laughs) Maybe get that in between. And then maybe talk it through with that trusted friend. And, And then evaluate. And you can ask questions like, is this coping thing making me a better person or worse person? Is it making me available to be a blessing to God and others and those around me and myself? Is this sustainable or will eventually this end and then leave me in a place where I don't know what to do? Would I be embarrassed if other people knew how I coped on this kind of thing? And not that I'm asking you to be concerned about what other people think, but if if you know other people are going to know it's not something you should be doing, maybe that should just be a wake-up call what's going on inside you. And if you'd have the courage to just evaluate your life and say, there's some good cope, there's some bad cope, and, 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 and you'd go a long way. Now, now, here's the second point. Now, this is subtle, so you got to just listen, okay? If you're doing some things to cope that are wrong, subtle now, stop doing them. That's it. I was being sarcastic, okay? <laughs> stop doing them. I mean, sometimes... It's as simple as that. Now, don't get me wrong. I get that there's real addictions in lives and real struggles and childhood things that make really thorny things. But what I'm talking about is the person who looks and says, wow, I'm having trouble sleeping and I drink coffee all afternoon. That's just silly. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to go. Th- it's going to feel terrible tomorrow and maybe the day after that. But I'm going to just quit doing that. You know what? I, 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 I'm doing the sugary drink thing and I'm having eight of those a day or seven of those a day. You know what? I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to stop that. And, and sometimes, just, God, give me the ability just to stop that. And and, and sometimes it's a little thing. Sometimes it's a big thing. You know what? I don't have prayer in my life. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this thing where I, I, I'm going to start adding prayer. I'm going to do the devotion. I'm going to go to Right Now Media. I'm going to go online. I'm going to go to the Christian bookstore. I'm going to go to the Resource Center. I'm going to find a tool. I'm going to incorporate it in my life. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal about, about stopping bad things in your life. You want to know what the key? One of the key things is, obviously, you pray. You're asking for the spiritual God, Spirit of God. But just practically, one of the things you can do, secret of getting bad things in your life, is repair, is replace it with something good. Because if you fill your life with so many good things, you won't have time for the bad things, right? And so, and so, so here's the deal. There's an old story about a guy who had a hole in his driveway. He got mad every day. He got full of water. So he'd get a little scoop and a broom, and he'd brush it out. Next day it'd rain, fill it rained. Fill with water. Then it would get over and over. And finally his wife came out and said, well, there's a solution. Fill in the hole. And so if there's some hole in your life that keeps filling with something you don't want to fill it with, Take away the opportunity, okay? So let me give you a couple examples of this. So maybe you're, you're having trouble sleeping, and so every night you watch TV before bed, or you do the screen time. By the way, anything, this is true of, like, true of like 95% of us, anything you can do to minimize screen time, to lessen your life, is almost certainly a good thing. Okay, we're a culture just, we're doing horrible damage to ourselves. So it's late at night, the screen is on, it's bright, we're watching our show, or we're watching our show, and, and we're all amped up, and then we try to go to sleep, we don't sleep well. So I'm going to stop that, and I'm going to replace it with I'm going to read. I'm going to turn on the lights. I'm going to read. You know, you might even read the Bible. Some people say, well, I'm bored with reading the Bible. Perfect. You'll fall asleep. <laughs> and at first, you'll feel hard. You want to turn it on. It'll be a struggle. You'll talk to some friends about holding you accountable, which is a good thing. Uh, video games, you know, instead of doing the video games after work, I'm going to stop that. And you know what? I'm going to just take a week off of that. And For some of you, I get it, the video game thing you, you hit something, and it makes something happen on the screen. Something blows up. Someone's killed. Something gets happening. And it, it, it actually, they study it. It releases endorphins. It feels really good. And you get stuck on that. And so when you try to fast from it for a week, you say, I don't have a problem. Try not doing it for a week. And you're going to find that it's a real struggle, and you replace it with something positive. Yeah, instead of drinking coffee and Coke, after you know, 10 o'clock, I'm just going to drink water. You know what? Uh, I'm going to quit watching that show I'm obsessed with on a certain night of the week, and I'm going to join a group this fall. Uh, next time, um, uh, here's an example. Uh, I have a, a coping mechanism that when I go through something difficult or I fail at something, I blame or I deny. Instead of doing that, I'm going to recognize, okay, I'm going to own it, I'm going to be responsible, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize, I'm going to make it right, you know, um, Here's something we just need to replace in terms of a coping mechanism. Sometimes we'll go through a difficult time. We'll just fill our mind with negative thoughts, negative things even about ourselves. Come back and affirm something positive about yourself and someone else. Maybe, maybe uh, um, um, there's some negative behavior in the evening, and instead of that, you're going to go take a walk in the evening and bring uh, exercise instead of isolating Invite someone into your life. You know, instead of having a life where I spend a lot of time worrying, I'm going to bring in the Word of God. I'm going to bring prayer in my life. But one of the keys is, is just just taking something negative of your life and replacing it with something positive, intentional. And again, there's going to be a struggle with it. We ask God for help, and, 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 and it's, it's just the most amazing thing. Now, now the, the third thing is, so first step, we're going to evaluate our life. Second step, we're going to, we're going to choose one thing. Don't make a laundry list and try to change your whole life. Okay, you'll be done by Tuesday, all right? Just, right? Choose one thing, and here's the deal. Then call someone and say, hey, I'm doing this thing. Will you ask me about it? That friend, maybe call two or three people. I'm doing this thing where I'm just trying to turn off the screen at night, and I'm just going to read my Bible, fall asleep that way, you know? By the way, I was reading a book by a psychologist this week about who treats depression, and he he has said in this book that 30% of his patients are almost completely, um, completely, uh, get over their symptoms of depression when he can get them on a regular, healthy sleep cycle, and that they start having breakfast every morning. So that might be something. So I'm going to have good, healthy breakfast in the morning. I'm going to get on a a regular sleep schedule, and and so 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 those are the kinds of things that that you could do. That was that was me chasing a rabbit. So I just threw that in there. So so. We're going to tell somebody. And so in the spirit of that, I want to challenge you with next steps. It's very simple. Evaluate. And when you find that one thing, and the Holy Spirit will make it pop, and maybe it's a little thing. You know what? That's just silly. Why do I do that? I'm going to stop doing that, and instead I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to tell somebody about it in such a way. And at first it's going to be a struggle, but, you know, here's the deal. When, when you then do that, and then you start making your new standard that I'm not going to compare myself with Paul or Jim or Joe or anybody else, Mary or whatever, I, I'm going to compare myself with who I was yesterday. And yesterday I wasn't doing this good thing, but today I'm doing this good thing. That's a good thing. And then the day after, and then a week from now, you know what? That other thing, I'm I'm starting to feel less and less like it's a struggle. And then maybe, you know, a month from now, maybe you journal it even, you find that things drift out of your life, you know, when you are intentional about moving away from them. You see, you're reestablishing a new pattern. You're reestablishing a new path. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying, you know what? That's silly. I'm just not going to do that anymore. And, and so, um, in that spirit, um, I just want to challenge us. One thing I want to challenge you, just introduce you to, uh, to the guys in church uh, right now, uh, is this fall, I'm, I'm going to be leading a group. And the group, group's called Men of Influence. And what it's going to be is it's going to be on Tuesday mornings from 7 to 8. And we're going to meet throughout the entire year. It's going to be some pretty serious discipleship and what it means to be a man and what it means to be able to use the scripture and what it means to deal with some things that are kind of unique to men. And... Uh, um, in this, it's going to be a lot of changing the patterns of our life, changing our thinking so that it changes our our our, our actions, and coming alongside one another um, to live differently. Because as men, and as people in general, but this is specifically for men, um, there are responsibilities that we're called to live up to that a lot of us aren't living up to, that we can just do better. So that would be something I want to let you know about as well. And so what I want to do is the team's going to come out, they're going to sing, we're going to have our offering, um, and and um, and let me pray. Let's pray. Father, uh, Father, I thank you so much that um, when you created us, you said, this is good. And although sin and selfishness has come into the equation, you've not left us simply people who are, are broken in that. You've saved us from the punishment of sin, and now we're in this journey of being free from the grip of sin. Father, help us to see that each one of us is called to nobility, We're called to greatness. We're called to to sacrifice instead of selfishness. We're called to live a life that is just extraordinary. So, Father, I would pray that you would help all of us here today do the work we've discussed here to evaluate what are the things in our life that I do to get by that, you know what, I just need to stop doing those things. And then, Father, for us to make a plan to replace them with other people and then to have the courage to invite some people into our life who can... Hold us accountable to be part of that journey so we can leave behind, Father, some of these things that actually um, are not good for us, not healthy for us, are, are, are keeping us from coping well and, 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 and keeping us from just being everything we want us to be. So, Father, as we we sing this song, we remembered your faithfulness in the midst of all of this. We just ask, Father, that um, you just help us all take steps um, on our journey to know and become like you. In Jesus' name, amen.